This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler's Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, the opioid epidemic continues to cripple the nation. Nearly 100 Americans die every day from opioid overdose, and half of all overdose deaths involve a prescription opioid. Today we're talking about the Opioid Justice Team, a group of highly skilled attorneys who have engaged with doctors and civic leaders fighting to end our nation's opioid epidemic by identifying real solutions to the crisis. Joining me today as my co-host is my friend and Ringler colleague, Heather Anderson from Houston, Texas, and from our Ringler New Orleans office. Well, with that, welcome to the show, Heather. Great to have you back. Thanks for having me, Larry. We always love you as our co-host on these shows, Heather. That's terrific. And our guest today is attorney Celeste Brustowitz, a member of the Opioid Justice Team. Celeste has 33 years experience with expertise in medical malpractice, class action, mass tort, and civil rights cases, as well as managing all aspects of civil litigation at Cooper Law Firm in New Orleans. Well, welcome to the show, Celeste. Great to have you here on Ringler Radio. Larry and Heather, thank you so much for having me. Well, since we have two folks from New Orleans, uh, this is going to be quite the show, I think. It's going to be a little jazz. We'll have a little jazz in the background, maybe. That'll be fun. So, Celeste, give us some background on the opioid justice team. How did it start, and uh, how did you get involved? Um, it started with uh, a, some friend lawyers of mine who were primarily plaintiff's lawyers who um, the situation came to them in different ways, um, either through a family experience or somebody in the workplace. And they decided to get together to see what could be done from our aspect, which is litigation. That's what we do. And I was um, very happy to hear that I had been selected for consideration in the group. So I did a bunch of research on uh, the opioid problem and, and really came to see that there was a need for all kinds of professionals to do what needed to be done to help curb this. It's a scourge is what mm, it is. No question. So, Celeste, um, this opioid epidemic, you know, we've seen that it's affecting not only the addicted individual, but it's affecting their families as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Heather, I, I'd love to tell you that. So we, we represent um, babies that are born opioid dependent, which means that their mothers were prescribed opioids uh, during the pregnancy. And so these babies are born. Um, and they are also opioid dependent. Um, and they are typically born into families where they don't stay with their mother because their mother obviously has an addiction problem. So we see them with their grandmothers. We see them with their fathers. In some cases, we see them um, with aunts and uncles, foster families, all sorts of family extensions that, that you can think of. Um, so it's a huge problem. Um, but there's usually a family dynamic going into it, and in the end, the mother is usually taken out of the picture. Um, so you need a, a maternal um, replacement 
for those children. Well, you know, Celeste, according to medical expert, expert Dr. Brent Bell, every 19 minutes an opioid-addicted baby is born in this country, and that's quite astounding. Can you share with us uh, some of the side effects that these drug-addicted babies experience at birth and in long-term? Uh, it's, uh, you, you mentioned you called it a scourge. It, it, it really is. It is. So um, the first aspect you have to understand is while the babies are gestating, you know, growing, um, you know, to the point of delivery, they're all being exposed to um, whatever the mother is taking. So um, if the mother is doing drugs the whole time, the baby's exposed the whole time. So the resultant brain damage um, or lung damage or organ damage that these children suffer are highly variable depending on the exposure and, of course, the age they are in utero and the amount of drugs that the mother was taking. But the primary problems are these. Um, if, if you know anyone that took or if you've ever read anything about heroin overdoses or opioid overdoses, they usually stop breathing because um, opioids um, depress the ability of the lungs to um, move oxygen through the system. So those children suffer that same problem. Um, the other problem is because their, their brains are developing, and, and you, you know this, you just haven't thought about it in these terms, is children's brains aren't fully developed until after they're born. Um, and the primary area of the brain where the opioids are damaging is like the executive functioning area of the brain. So it's not only intellectual capacity, but it's social skills, um, things of that type. And plus just regular old organ damage depending on, on um, the length and the age of the, of the fetus at the time of exposure. So there's no one thing. It's, um, it's a wide-ranging exposure, and it's highly variable to the child. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, women who've been pregnant many, many years ago have been told don't drink, don't drink alcohol, certainly don't smoke, because all of those things can affect the fetus, uh, and, but probably never to the, never to the extent that uh, these opioid-type drugs and the heroines and et cetera are doing to these kids. It's a... Uh, it's criminal. If you, you know, it's it's just an amazing thing what's going on in the country. You know, Celeste, you mentioned that most of these babies then end up going into um, foster care, and you know, or other family with other family members, something like that. But according to the um, Department of Health and Human Services, the new foster care cases involving parents who are using drugs have hit a highest, you know, just the highest point in more than three decades, which is where you said these kids are ending up, and and this is just a really you know, it's a staggering effect on our system. So how is the opioid justice team, your team, involved in this? Well, we have filed um, class action lawsuits um, all over the country. Um, it looks like we're going to all end up in what's called the multi-district litigation up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, that's still kind of up in the air. But um, our point for these children um, is to get the court. We Hopefully, we'd hope for a settlement. But what we want is what we call medical monitoring in the law. It's a remedy um, used in a lot of toxic tort cases where there's been an exposure to, some, to somebody where we know, scientists says, you know, we know something's wrong with you now. We have reason to believe you might have further problems in the future. And it it's, gives us the ability to have these children monitored over time by medical professionals. It also um, gives these children the advantage of not having to go to Medicaid or some social service 
office or anything like that, and it makes it easier for the caregiver for them. So if they have, if they have an educational need or they need speech therapy related to their NAS, they can just reach out to this trust fund and they'll pay the bill. That's what we're hoping for. Well, you know, you're right. I mean, children do need the security and the education and financial protection as they're starting to grow older with these, uh, with some of these deficits. And so tell us, tell us about that. Before you do, though, who actually are you suing? Are you suing the manufacturers, the pharmaceutical companies? Yeah, we're suing the manufacturers and the distributors. Um, and yeah, that's primarily who. And you're looking for some injunctive relief there as well? Medical monitoring is a form of injunctive relief, Larry. Okay. You, you know, a, a court can award somebody money, um, but uh, money to a kid who has a, a need needs like these isn't very useful to them, let's face it. We can reimburse past medical bills. But um, our way of looking towards a real solution to this problem is that if we get this medical monitoring trust for these children, a large group, this is a huge group of children, by the way, um, um, will be monitored by healthcare professionals all over the country. And then those healthcare professionals and epidemiologists will have access to all that medical data. So they'll say, hmm, a kid who was exposed this way and had this particular issue at birth, we found did better if he had therapy A as opposed to therapy B. And so um, we're hoping that it, it will help medicine um, come up with better treatment protocols for them. But what we're really hoping for, um, Larry, is that they can come up with a better understanding of the addiction process itself. Because these kids, remember, these kids were born addicts, essentially. I, I hate to say that because they're addicts against their will. But um, the likelihood, if, and, you, and you know this from your own experience, if you know somebody whose parents drank too much, when they grew up, they probably drank too much, right? So these kids have a parent who's an addict. They themselves were addicts. So the likelihood of them, I hate to say falling off the wagon, but, you know, becoming addicted to something else, it might not be an opioid, might be liquor, might be who knows what, um, is greatly enhanced in their life. So having um, treatment protocols um, and a better understanding of a large group of people that um, are or were addicted to something, I think would benefit all of us and would bring us uh, closer to uh, a resolution of this really horrible problem. Well, let's take a quick break right now, but we'll be back in a minute, right here on Ringo Radio. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, along with my co-host, Heather Anderson, and attorney Celeste Brustowitz. She's a member of the Opioid Justice Team, and an attorney with the Cooper Law Firm in New Orleans. Well, Celeste, in November of 2018, 
the opioid justice team presented arguments for babies and children to have their interests represented in the nationwide opioid litigation. Talk to us about that, and and how are you uh, involved in all of that? Well, um, I was up in New York, uh, part of the t- uh, helping the team that was um, making that presentation to the panel. We, I'm, I'm disappointed to say that the uh, JPML uh, said that the babies um, were not going to get their own MDL, at least at this point in time. But importantly, they said that there was a, a direct place for us in the current MDL that's in Cleveland, Ohio, and that's what we're working on now. Um, we're, tr- we're trying to get a, a, a track or a voice or a, a variety of terms to use it, but we, we need a position um, that helps us advocate on their behalf so we can facilitate our dream and what we think uh, is in the best interest of these people, of these babies, is having a fund that's, that's easily accessible um, to the people that take care of them. To help to help them throughout their life, and to help them come up, and to help medical science come up with better solutions for them in the future. And 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 then from the legal standpoint, you know, back in October of 2018, President Trump signed some sweeping opioid legislation into law. Have we seen any progress since then? You know, um, that bill just was signed like like three weeks ago, and it took me about three weeks to read it. It's huge. I don't know if you all have a chance to look at it. It's thousands of pages long. But um, when I compared it to the prior um, uh, legislative packages that came out of the prior administrations, um, it, it seems to have more, more teeth to it. Um, so I'm excited about that. Now, some of the appropriations um, numbers weren't in there, so I, I can't and, and I don't know the the dollar values of all those things, so I don't know. But it seems to cover all aspects of um, what the government can do. It has the FDA doing things. It has the DEA doing things. It has the national um, drug groups uh, within the government doing things. And they're communicating not only on a national level but on a state and local level with health care providers. So it, it, looks, it, it looks good on paper. I'll say that. Well, I'm not surprised that you you, you couldn't ferret through three thousand a three thousand page <laughs> piece of legislation. I don't even think the senators or Congress people can do that. It's uh, it's quite quite tough. What kind of legal advice do you have for those impacted by the opioid epidemic? How how, how do you see as throughout your your involvement here? How do you see this thing uh, ending? How do you th- how, how do you see it it going over the next few years? I don't know that I have the answer of how, how to do it, but I do know some things that we shouldn't do. Um, and I think um, that is, is that we should consider the, the problem um, in all of its aspects. So if it's a medical problem, let's let the medical doctors deal with it. Not, let's not have congressmen and, and county officials deciding how many milligrams should be in a pill. They don't, they don't know that. They know political problems. Um, so, t- to the extent that it's a political problem about um, how much law enforcement resources should we spend, let the, the, let them decide that. Let the doctors decide the health care part. Um, look at it, let me let me put it to you this way. State, stated earlier, I forget the total billions of dollars that were spent on um, the tobacco litigation. But you would have thought if we spent let's let's say it's fifty billion dollars, whatever whatever the settlement was. You would have thought that there would only be three people left smoking in the country after that, and that's simply not the case. We haven't eradicated smoking. So I guess what I'm saying is giving monies to governments 
Um, it didn't work in tobacco. I don't think it's going to work. It's going to help for some aspects of the opioid problem, but understanding the nature of addiction um, is really going to be the key to it. And I think the key to getting a hold of that is to have this um, unfortunate population of babies that we've now created that can be studied over the course of their life. And the Medical Monitoring Trust will, will serve that purpose. You're right about that. There are a lot of baby steps that need to be taken. More and more people are being informed about these issues today than ever before. And, you know, to compare it to the tobacco arena, you know, they did at one point stop advertising and stop handing things out, freebies. Right. And, and you know, I, I think part of this problem, uh, I think to, to a great extent, originated when the pharmaceutical companies were incentivizing doctors to uh, maybe overprescribe these pills. Uh, I always tell the story that I went in for, I had a neck pain and I went in for a, a weekend. I was going away for a weekend. I asked the doctor for a few uh, a few of these pills, and I ended up with fifty of them. And you know, I mean, it's um, it, it's tough when when they're 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 overprescribing the pills for the for the needs that of the, that the people that uh, that ask for them. So there are a lot of elements to this, as you know. And uh, little by little, if you can pick off one after another of uh, some of these issues, maybe at the end of the day, we we make some progress there. And uh, we we really appreciate people like yourself who are out there battling every day to try to make this happen and help the uh, the young people of America, too, to, uh, to avoid this kind of a, a, a real detrimental, you know, effect on their lives. It's, uh, it's, it's a shame, and thank you very much for what you do. Well, thank you so much, Larry and Heather. Thank you for this time. I really appreciate it very much. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Celeste. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you or talk to you about any of this, how would they do that? How would they get a hold of you? I think probably the easiest way to, to get in touch with me is to um, go to the Opioid Justice Team website. We're all on there with our information and our um, areas of specialty. And, um, and Or you could just Google me and look me up in New Orleans. I'm at the Cooper Law Firm. Okay, <laughs> so, great. Terrific. Terrific. And, I love uh, to talk to people, and I'd love to hear um, what other people are thinking about solutions for this because it's important, and we all, need to, we all need to put our thinking caps on. No question. And, Heather, if someone wanted to talk to you, how would they do that? If you go to um, ringwarassociates.com and find me there, Heather Anderson, um, in the New Orleans and Birmingham offices, or email me at handerson at ringlerassociates.com. Terrific. And of course, uh, when Heather mentions ringlerassociates.com, that's a great website. You can find any Ringler Associate around the country if you need help with structured settlements and trying to put together uh, solutions for uh, some of the litigation cases that you're working on. And uh, you can also find all the Ringler Radio shows on ringlerassociates.com. You can also find these shows on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or you can go to iTunes and download uh, from iTunes directly onto your device and listen at your leisure wh whenever it's convenient for you. So with that, I want to say, Celeste, thank you very much for being a guest. Uh, we've learned a lot today, and uh, we wish you all the best as you move forward with this uh, great project. Thank you so much. And Heather, thanks for being a great co-host. Thanks, as always, Larry. Terrific. And for all the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, 
The Objective Settlement Advisors, with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.